Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week, we've been looking at an article in the August 2023 edition of the Liahona Magazine. The Liahona Magazine is a publication put out by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, primarily for its adult members. This article is titled, Paul's Metaphors of Salvation in Their Ancient Contexts, and it was written by Dr. Jason R. Combs, who is an assistant professor of ancient scripture at Brigham Young University. As we've mentioned earlier in this week, Eric and I were pretty impressed by the way Dr. Combs correctly defines a lot of these very important terms that the Apostle Paul uses in his epistle to the church at Rome. But we're wondering, why does he say the things he says when you compare them with what his leaders have said in the past? They don't seem to mesh at times. What is going on here? Because it can be very confusing when you listen to what LDS leaders have said, and they're the ones that have authority. We have to keep in mind, a Brigham Young University professor, as much as we may have respect for them and all that they've learned, they carry no weight as far as authority is concerned. And especially if they conflict with what the leaders have said, you always go with the authorized leaders of the church, the general authorities, over a BYU professor. But this is printed in a church publication. Somebody must have read this article and felt that it was okay, at least okay enough. And the reason why I say that is because there are some boxes in this article, and we don't know who put the text in those boxes. Was that a part of Dr. Combs' original article that just was set aside in in these boxes? Or did an editor put those words in those boxes, because maybe the editor thought that Dr. Combs is sounding a bit too evangelical. And as we mentioned earlier, he only cites the Bible. He never cites the Book of Mormon. He never cites the Doctrine and Covenants. He never cites the Pearl of Great Price. And the only time something that's not in the Bible is brought up is in footnote one, when it tells you to go find out what the definition of justification is on an official LDS website. And we wonder, did Dr. Combs even put footnote one in there, or was that done by an editor? Uh, Again, what you're saying is true. And when it comes to church leaders, he never once cites a church leader. But in all three of those boxes, most of that is a quote from one of three different general authorities. Well, we're looking at the topic of grace, and under the the subheading grace, he says, grace is another term that Paul adopts to explain the saving work of Jesus Christ. He continues, the word grace was not originally a religious term. In the time of Paul, grace was commonly used to describe the relationship between a patron and a client. A patron possessed the power, authority, or financial means to grant a gift to clients they could not earn for themselves or repay in kind. Clients felt obligated to honor their patron by publicly showing their gratitude and fidelity. 
For instance, in AD 90, the city of Aphrodisius sent a delegation to Ephesus to erect a statue in honor of the Roman emperors. The inscription on that statue reads, quote, the people of Aphrodisius, loyal to Caesar, being free and autonomous from the beginning by the grace of Augusti, set up this statue by a private act of grace, end quote. This inscription uses grace in two ways. First, to describe the gift of the Augusti, that the city of Aphrodisius would be free and autonomous. And second, to describe the smaller gift of a statue to profess the people's loyalty and show their gratitude. In Romans, Paul clarifies which of these two types of grace he is describing, and he quotes Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace. Paul underscored that this is the gift of God as our patron that we cannot repay and should accept with public expressions of our gratitude and faithfulness. Well, let's look at that. We have said many times as Christians that we do our works out of appreciation for what has been done on our behalf. And this is, I guess, what he's trying to imply here when he talks about this statue that was set up in this, in this town. But does it just stop there, though? I mean, for a Latter-day Saint, if they hope to get the benefits of this grace that's being offered, they have to do certain things. That's not something that the Apostle Paul taught. And so if they have to do some things, what are the things that they must do, and what do they get after they do them? See, that's what I think is important. When we look at some of the statements made by LDS leaders, we find that the grace that they are talking about is certainly conditional. And I think one of the quotes that certainly brings us out is one one made by Spencer W. Kimmel, the 12th president of the church. And it was in his book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, page 206. And I know a lot of Latter-day Saints, when you quote The Miracle of Forgiveness, they tend to cringe nowadays, even though this was a very popular book during its time, and it's cited oftentimes in church manuals and, and even commended in conference messages. But Kimmel said one of the most fallacious doctrines originated by Satan and propounded by man— is that man is saved alone by the grace of God, that belief in Jesus Christ alone is all that is needed for salvation. I have to ask the question, does Dr. Combs believe what Spencer Kimball wrote there? You just can't blow off the miracle of forgiveness in that statement because that statement was also cited in the Book of Mormon student manual, Religion 121 and 22, on page 36, which means it was correlated or at least vetted by the First Presidency of the Church. They approved that statement to be in that manual. Another statement he gives on page 207, Kimball writes, And however powerful the saving grace of Christ, it brings exaltation to no man who does not comply with the works of the gospel. I think this is a time, Eric, when we're having a conversation with our LDS acquaintances to ask them, well, what kind of grace are we talking about here? Are we talking about the grace that allows all of humankind to be resurrected from the dead? Because Bruce McConkie did say that that kind of grace is salvation by grace. It's salvation by grace, he said which we find odd because Jesus said there's two resurrections, one to eternal life and one to eternal damnation. And it doesn't really make sense to say that you're saved by grace and to damnation. That, that doesn't make any sense at all. And I, and I think there's a problem there because that's not how Paul would have understood this. Paul did not teach that. 
as Mormons are teaching it. But notice he doesn't talk about that in what he has written about grace. Dr. Combs is making it sound very evangelical Christian again, and we've been talking about that this week, that this is the problem we're having is how many Christians are going to be shown this article to say, we believe just like you do. Now, we've talked about the Come, Follow Me series. They're doing the New Testament in 2023, and during the first week of August, they covered the first half of Romans, and this is what it says about grace in the uh, Come, Follow Me series. Grace is divine help or strength given through the bounteous mercy and love of Jesus Christ. Through grace, all people will be resurrected and receive immortality. So they're saying it very clearly that that's what grace does. It provides this general resurrection. That's general salvation for all, and exaltation is separated. And we need to point out that this general salvation, as it's understood in an LDS context, you don't have to have faith in anything. You're going to receive that salvation by grace, quote unquote, even if you are a devout atheist. You could belong to any other type of religion outside of anything close to Christianity, and you're still going to receive this salvation by grace. That's not something that the Apostle Paul taught. This is something that, if you're a Christian, you need to ask the question, when you say grace, what do you mean? Now, go back to the Come, Follow Me series, and it says this, in addition, grace is an enabling power that allows men and women to lay hold on eternal life and and exaltation after they have expended their own best efforts. We do not earn grace through our efforts. Rather, it is the grace that gives us strength and assistance to do good works that we otherwise would not be able to maintain. Did you see how they put that, Bill? They're saying that grace is not this gift that you receive salvation and forgiveness of sins. It is an enabling power that allows you to get exaltation, but only after you have done all you can do. I think we would call that an equivocation, wouldn't you? Yes. And that's that's why this is so confusing, especially when you take, for instance, Boyd K. Packer, an LDS apostle who said, even that grace of God promised in the scriptures comes only after all we can do. So you don't really get that necessary grace, and I'm going to have to assume this is the grace that forgives you, not the grace that resurrects you. This is the grace that eventually forgives you. You only get that, according to Boyd Packer, after you've done all you can do. Let me give you a quote from the first counselor of the first presidency, Dallin H. Oaks, and this is cited in a church manual, Book of Mormon, Student Manual Religion, 121 to 122, 2009, pages 94 to 95, and he gave this in a general conference talk in April of 1998. This is what he said. Some Christians accuse Latter-day Saints of denying the grace of God through claiming they can earn their own salvation. We answer this accusation with the words of two Book of Mormon prophets. Nephi taught, quote, for we labor diligently to persuade our children to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God, for we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do, end quote, 2 Nephi 25:23. And what is all we can do? It surely includes repentance and baptism, keeping the commandments, and enduring to the end. Moroni pleaded, quote, 
Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if ye shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you that by his grace ye may be perfect in Christ. End quote. And that's from Moroni 10.32. We are not saved in our sins as by being unconditionally saved through confessing Christ and then inevitably committing sins in our remaining lives. We are saved from our sins by a weekly renewal of our repentance and cleansing through the grace of God and his blessed plan of salvation. See, that last portion that you just read, I would say that's sanctification. That's what you do after you are justified. We would believe, yes, we are forgiven of our sins, and now we are doing good works, as good as they can possibly be done by a fallen human being. But we do these works out of appreciation for what has been done on our behalf. The Latter-day Saint must do it in order to be justified. This is where I have to ask, does Dr. Combs really believe what he's saying in this article, or does he believe what Dallin H. Oaks said in that statement that you just read that Oaks gave in a general conference message? Because you can't believe both. Your loyalty has to fall somewhere. It's either going to be in what Paul actually said, or it's going to be in what the leaders of the LDS Church have said. It's going to be difficult for a Latter-day Saint to be loyal to both. And that's the conflict that I think a lot of Latter-day Saints have when they start looking at books like Romans and even the book of Galatians. They start to see, that's not the salvation I've been taught. And they recognize that what Paul is saying are not what LDS leaders have been saying all along. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.